0: Fabulous to be here. So, so many of you I know so well. Um, So, it's great to be back. So, please send your Bibles to 2 Kings, chapter 6. And uh, for those who don't know, I say say my name is Andy Phillips. I'm from Open Door Church, Sumbury. I was uh, here for seven years. For six years, I was a pastor and elder here. Um, Some of you I know only too well, Um, some of you I don't know at all. So I thought I'd give you a bit of an intro of who I am. Um, For those of you that have heard any rumours, they're not true. So this was me 18 years ago. Can you believe it? You can see Eric and Cornelis and Andrew. Uh, Yeah, wow. And that was my Karis. Goodness me. I'm going to go under this light, actually. That's a bit better. Yeah, great. Yes, this is what we look like. Um, And this is what they look like now. So uh, Karis is 20 years old. She's studying linguistics. Um, She's meant to be up in university but instead she's at my house because daddy it's easier to study at home when you're feeding me. So there you go. Um, (laughs) Ethan is 18 and he's going to the Brighton Institute of Modern Music to study music journalism in September. Um, Just have faith really for kids. 18 months ago he was burning on for God and she was absolutely nowhere. She was a Marxist and wanting to change the world. Now, she is burning on for God, and he is absolutely nowhere. <laughs> and I just think, I just, we just got to trust God for our kids, and I think I've gone through a bit of a cycle in this. So that's it. This is Nikki and I. Um, Wait, so Nikki's a good-looking one, and I'm the one that looks like Shrek, next to There you go. And uh, is it next time? Next time, next time That is it. Oh, I there you go. So um, do you know when, you probably don't, maybe you do, there are times when you think, oh, what? get invited to preach somewhere. they oh great, I'm going back to Beacon. So, oh alright, I've got this word out, John 15. And then you meet with God every morning. I hope you do that, C.H. Spurgeon says. You're better one hour in the morning than two hours at any other time of the day. So I hope you open up the scriptures in the morning. You start to read. And I was reading through, in my own readings, I'm going through two kings. And I, I, I was reading through two kings. And each time I kept going back to a passage in 2 Kings 6. So that's what we're going to read this morning. That's what I feel God's given me to give to you. Um, I hope it's from God. So let's uh, read, shall we? 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8 to 23. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God, Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them. This is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of those men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they'd finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Please pray with me. Father, thank you that you are a God who is always loving and kind and that you're with us lord through this journey of life and through this proclamation of your goodness and grace lord we pray give us ears to hear anything lord that you uh, just want to communicate to people today i pray holy spirit will you bless it and anoint it in jesus name amen amen so it's uh, yeah fantastic to be here um it's great to uh, uh just uh see so many people that we've journeyed with over the years that's fantastic I just want to give you a little bit of background to this story uh, so far so the people of israel they've gone out from egypt they were with uh, moses remember this and then with joshua entering into the promised land and then with judges and then they had lots of judges the last judge was samuel and then they asked samuel for a king do you remember this and the first king they had was king saul and king saul uh He was, Although he was chosen by God, he didn't do uh, being a king God's way and God rejected him. And then he said he chose a man after his own heart. Do you remember this? King David. And then King David, uh, he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. But he had a son called Solomon. And uh, although Solomon was a very uh, prosperous king, he didn't follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And so the Lord took uh, the nation that was joined together and he tore it apart under Solomon's son Rehoboam. And there was a northern uh, kingdom called Israel and a southern kingdom called Judah. And here in 2 Kings verse 6, we're talking about the northern kingdom of Israel. And 2 Kings 6 verse 9, we see Elisha is some sort of James Bond 007 for the king of Israel. Every time the king of Aram decides he's going to do something, there's God speaks to Elisha and Elisha tells the king of Israel everything the king of Aram is going to do, which he must admit must get the king of Aram pretty annoyed. And he tells the king everything that's going on. And this happened about 849 BC. That was all that's going on with Elisha. And, uh, and in this chapter, the players are the, cha- the king of Israel is King Joram. Uh, this was the son of Ahab and uh, Jezebel. Um, he was uh, the king in Israel. That's heard about this story, and there was Elisha, and Elisha always gets. he always wonder, Lord, why did you choose two prophets with really similar names? I mean, he must have known for centuries we were going to get the names wrong. You know, out of the two. Anyway, so this is a, this is the second one. This is Elisha, Elijah's uh, successor, and um, this is Elijah who uh, was the one. Do you remember with the youths and the bears? Uh, with the don't, you know, tear. Next slide, please. The ewes and the bears, where the ewes said, go on up, bald one. And then, you know, Elisha calls down. Do you remember this? Calls down judgment on the teenagers. You might want to remind your teenagers that respectfulness is really important when they come back from their group. Or who knows? They might walk down Chertsey High Street and some bears might tear them apart. So here in two Kings verse. Uh, Chapter 6, Elisha, whose name means God, is salvation, informs King Joram about what the king of Aram, who is Ben-Hadad III, about all his movements. So you can imagine the king of Aram is really annoyed. Uh, Verse 11, he says, tell me which one of you is on the king of Israel's side. And they say, none of us, my lord, but Elisha knows even what is spoken in your bedroom, because God is the God of Israel, is telling him that. And so then what happens is the king of Aram gathers together an army of chariots and horsemen. And he basically says, go and get the blinking prophet because he's stopping us from taking Israel. So he gathers all these people together in verse 15, early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surround the city. And then we get to Gehazi, we find out later on, his name's Gehazi, the servant of Elisha. And basically Gehazi goes, oh no, what shall we do? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This is the first thing I think God wanted me to communicate this morning. Again, at the end of this, you can turn around and say, He hasn't changed. It was still a bunch of old waffle, as it was 10 years ago. First be this: don't be afraid. Beacon Church, do not be afraid. He who is with us is greater than he that's in the world. But he that's in the world really wants to depress you and push you down. We live in a world and a culture that's increasingly anti-Christian. It's not just as it was maybe 20, 30 years ago where people would say the church was outdated and a little bit traditional, that we actually have an enemy now within our culture that is anti-Christian and anti-the church and anti your biblical views it attacks our faith it says that those who believe in Christianity well they're not scientific they're not modern people they're all bigoted they're they're, they're narrow-minded they're not accepting if they're Christians well they must be a little bit emotionally weak it's a crutch those sort of people you know they're intellectually deceived how can they believe in God in this day and age Those sort of things are coming in on you. And like a sponge that's really dry and stuck in some water, and the sponge soaks in the water, we are within that culture. So when we hear that on the media, and we hear that by stand-up comics, and it's talked about to your young people, they soak it in. We all suck it in. and, And it gets us down. Our culture and the media get us down. And then other things, when things don't work out. As they don't in life, because Genesis 3, things don't always work out. We live in a fallen world, in fallen bodies. I have a really gift of encouragement. Um, those of you that know Facebook, if you're not my Facebook friend, please add me. I'll tell you why. So I had a, when I went to Plymouth, we led a youth group, and there was a girl in the youth group called Becky. And I said to her, I will always have more Facebook friends than you. She said, no, you won't. I said, yes, I will. <laughs> Every year I remind her, you might see every now and again, I have up Becky Peacock, I have 1,600. Oh, Becky Peacock, it's your daughter in law. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I just tweaked. I have 1,621 and Becky Peacock, you only have 435. Now. Anyway, this is what's changed over the years. Sorry, let me do this. This is what changed. It used to be that you But now God has so dealt with it, she's like, oh wonderful I so love it that people love you more or something like that it's like I wanted you to be annoyed anyway where's I going with that oh yes so when people put on Facebook as they do you know um, oh why is this happening to me I always put Genesis 3 just read your Bible that's why it's happened to you why does it happen to you, church why do sometimes we pray and things don't happen? Genesis 3. Sometimes we live in a fallen body in a fallen world. Why sometimes the awful things happen to good people? Genesis 3. Why do we invite people to Alpha and sometimes they don't say yes? In fact, quite often they don't say yes. Genesis 3. Um, you know, but those things get to us. Do you hear me? They, they get to us. Our confidence in Jesus and the gospel, it gets watered down when that happens. When we hear things in the media and the TV, it gets watered down. When we pray for healing and it doesn't happen, it crushes us, circumstances deflate us. Where are you, Jesus? You know, we're meant to be on the winner's side. i tell you something, we are on the winner's side. But we can feel as though we are not. And I feel as though God would say to you this morning, a bit like to Gehazi, get your eyes back, do you hear me? We are on the victor's side. It may not feel like it. It may not feel that we are always on the victor's side and and we may feel crushed a little bit but we are on the victor's side. Do not be afraid. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still changing lives. He still is powerful. He still is the only antidote to sin. It's by forgiveness by the cross to 21st century people living in church in Aston, Surrey, Newhall and Weybridge and all around. He still is. Nothing has changed. The gospel is still as powerful today as it has ever been. But you are in a battle and the battle still rages. And I feel as though God would say to you, a bit like Elisha said to Gehazi, just slow down, get your eyes on him. And then get your eyes around. Slow down, look up, look around. I thought that was what God wanted to say. Stop listening to some of the thoughts that are in your mind, some of the stuff that's going on in media, some of the culture. But like Elisha said to Gehazi, actually see the real truth. Because the real truth is Jesus is the victor and he's coming back again. And you're part of this wondrous bride who's reaping a harvest, plundering the kingdom of darkness until Jesus comes back. That's the truth but that's not what you're hearing during the week and it's not what I hear either. Elisha knew God was there and he was more powerful. He saw the truth Gehazi didn't. He saw with his eyes of flesh. We need to know that God is with us and to do that we need to slow down. We need to meet with the Lord every day we need to recognize that we are in a battle, and no one would be in a battle and not prepare every day. It doesn't happen. If you read any of the memoirs of Monty in the Second World War or any great histories, you prepare for battles. First of all, the Lord would say, slow down, prepare for battle. Ever since I was at Moreland's Bible College, we had a pastoral theology lecture, and his name was Paul Lynch. And he came in and said this quote, and it has been on my study or whatever has been my study over the years. Some of you know it because you've seen it on door, And it says this, if you are too busy for God, you are too busy. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. Because God first and then everything else in life. Um, I am an activist, so I need to hear this maybe you don't, I do. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, I was reading his autobiography recently, and he mourned of his generation that 200 years before it was said of masters of the house that when a a messenger or someone would come to the master of the house, they would say of the master of the house, he is at his prayers, he is meeting with God. When that has finished, he will do his business with you. And Spurgeon mourns that, oh, How awful of my generation, because no one says that of us. And I think, whoa, Mr. Spurgeon, you want to see what it's like now. Man alive, you know. Internet, mobile, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Whoa, there's nothing. You know, I mean, if there were young people here, they'd still be on their mobiles now. Maybe some of you are. I don't know. You know... You know, don't feel bad about that because this is a generation that we are in. But we're told to be in the world and not of the world. So I'm, it's time to push back. And, I, and to be honest, I'm preaching this as much to me as anyone else. Slow down, beef up, prepare for the battle. Slow down, look up to him and then look around. Slow down to be with the Lord. If you slow down, if we slow down, and we remember the truth, we can truly remember the reality of our lives. Because the reality is Jesus is winning. And we are part of his bride and part of a battle. The Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung said this, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. Okay. When we're so overworked, overburdened, our lives become so full of responsibilities, our diary so bursting, We've got to do the next thing, the next thing. The first most important thing is to meet with him. A friend of mine, who I deeply respect, he's a prophetic guy. And he phoned me up. Now, when you get somebody's prophetic phone you up, you're like, yes! He said, I've got a word from God for you. Yes. He said, Are you ready for it? I said, yes. come on, give me the word of God. Yes, great. Right. Really looking for it. I'm open to him. Yes, Lord, just speak. He said, the Lord's only given me two words for you. Okay, It's a bit weird. Okay, yes. He said, this is the word of God to you, Andy. You stink! (laughs) You stink! (laughs) That wasn't what I was expecting. He said, you so stink of busyness. You so stink of activity. People that... ...that follow you... ...believe that is how a Christian should be. They, They have to be busy... ...doing the stuff. They are so busy, they're shattered. You are wearing them out. That is wrong. You have got to change. Some of that, my friends, is personality. Hear me. Some of us are wired that way. That's not wrong. I will always be more busy than most. And that isn't a sin. That is me. But to communicate that I am too busy for people... Because I'm too busy. That's wrong, okay? And for people to re- to think the only way that they can be like that, to be like it, is to be as active. That also is wrong, and so I brushed it off. You know, obviously that's not true, Jesus. <laughs> obviously that's not so true. I mean, I'm a really good guy. I'm really brilliant. Then I was reading Mr. Spurgeon, who said that pastors who are so busy that their people don't feel as though they can approach them, are spiritual Pharisees. Ooh. <laughs> Spurgeon never pulled his punches. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. And then I do assemblies at Bishop Wands, probably know the school in, in Sunbury, where Steve went, actually. And, um, and I do assemblies every now and again. And I did an assembly. It was a good assembly, I think. And then the chaplain, she sent me a YouTube video, and uh, this is what it was. Have some sound.
1: What is your hurry? Why such a haste? Such a full diary, no time to waste. Slow down a little. Slow down. What is your hurry? Why your rush so? You're making so much money, so many places to go. What is your hurry? Why go so fast? Your life is such a flurry. Your pace is such a blast. Slow down a little, slow down. Don't miss out on the scenery around you in your zeal for world domination. Don't overlook the people who love you in exchange for a lonely destination. Slow down a little, slow down. Slow down and look around. Slow down, my busy friends, slow down. Keep your head to the sky. And your feet underground, slow it down, slow it down.
0: Thank you. Okay. I barely know that Bishop Wand chaplain. I, I barely know her. But she was, I was so reek of busyness that she sent me that TED video. I felt as though God would say to you, friend, slow down. One of the lines, he says, slow down, take a good look around. Actually, if we slow down, we get into God's presence... We take a good look around, just like Elisha could say to Gehazi, actually, the truth is, the truth is we're on the victor's side. The truth is Jesus is taking life by life. But we can be so <sighs> by life that it changes our perspective. Is God calling you to slow down and be strengthened in him for the battle? That's my first question to you this morning. Is God calling you to slow down, look up to him, look around, and be strengthened for him? Don't be afraid. Secondly, is this, it's not a fair fight, the fight that we're in. 2 Kings 6, uh, verse 15, the king of Aram came to capture Elisha with all his chariots and horsemen. He came thinking, this fight was going to be an easy fight, obviously. He came thinking, well, this is not a fair fight. I'm the king of Aram, I've I've got all these horsemen, all these chariots, I'm going to easily take this one lone Elisha. Uh, Elisha saw a very different fight before him. You see, he knew God. He knew the Lord. He knew that he that was in him was greater than he that was in the world. The Holy Spirit in you is greater than he that is in the world. And it's not a fair fight. When I was a kid, I grew up in Chessington. Um, When I was seven years old, there were uh, uh, two lads who lived at number one, number two, sorry, Roadboat Road. Road, I lived at number 28. And uh, they used to terrorize me. Guy my age and his older brother, and one day that guy my age, his name was Andy Camp, he invited me to have a fight. Me, him, and his older brother. I said, "Yeah, that's no problem." I invite my older brother. He said, "Okay, you bring your older brother." So I did. We turned up. Andrew Camp, seven years old, with his older brother Mark, age nine. I turned up. Andy Phillips, age seven years old, with my older brother Dave, age twenty, with a full beard. (laughs) It's not a fair fight. They soon ran. Keep that picture. It's not a fair fight. We are not in a fair fight. We are on the Lord's side. It's not a fair fight, friends. On April the 29th... Uh, 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 oh, slides have gone. Can we get to the five boxing one? On April the 29th uh, of April, uh, jo- um, Josh, Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko, they had this big fight. That was a fair fight, Joshua. Anthony Joshua won. You know, That's a fair fight. When it comes to the value we're involved in, it's not a fair fight. But too often, we get this sort of mindset. This won't be up for long. I hate this mindset. Next slide, please. It's like this. It's like dualism. Jesus on one side, "Mm," Satan on the other side, "Mm," and they're going to fight it out, and we're in this battle, and it's really hard, and we are... Get rid of that now, please. Thank you, Elspeth. It's horrible. Get rid of it quick. See? (laughs) That's rubbish. But that is what the world would want you to think. When you're in a battle, you think, oh, Satan's strong, and Jesus is strong, and they're fighting, and they're like, Klitschko versus... Joshua, it's not like that at all. That is not the fight that we are in. At all. It is nothing like that at all. Jesus is the victor. We have already won. That's what the cross was all about. Jesus isn't the victor. The victory is sure. And the victory secure. You know? And he yeah. shall reign forever. His word. And power shall ever endure. Oh, you've gone quite big. And you should be able to sing. And he shall reign forever. And we shall reign with him. Yeah? Yes. Yeah? Yes. We shall reign with him. And he is reigning now. And on the cross he defeated sin and the Satan and the evil one. And we are bringing in his kingdom. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 says this. And when the lawless one... Will be revealed who the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. In other words, all evil there's ever been, every evil thought, every evil regime, every greedy, violent act, person, desire, Satan, and all his minions, the Lord Jesus will destroy by what? By the Lord Jesus will overthrow them with the breath of his mouth and destroy them. By the splendour of his coming. This morning, I challenge you, is your Jesus too small? Get this, this is how Jesus destroys all evil. When he does this. That's it. All evil, all Satan. That's what the verse says, right? Why? Because God's back. And the kingdom comes in its fullness. And that 's part of the kingdom that you are bringing in one life at a time, every time you did a little little toddler group, and one mum says, "I want to come along," and the lady that gets healed, and the person you 're talking to in a charity shop actually you 're bringing in that kingdom that one day comes in its fullness, that Jesus died on the cross, and one day he will bring in completely just amazing that is the God whom we serve. You see even the picture of my brother with his big beard is nothing like actually the reality. God is on the throne and you are part of his bride. This is not a fair fight that you're involved in believer. Look on whose side you are. You are on the Lord's side. You're on the winner's side. Be active, therefore. Be active, be confident, be involved in evangelism, be involved in inviting people to events. Invite to Alpha whenever you do Alpha and invite them along to your small group or open your fridge, open hearts, open fridges. You know, Um, be on the Lord's side, love the unlovely, heal the sick, whatever, be involved. But remember, lastly, that uh, it's about love. Grace and truth. You see, Gehazi is shown uh, the army of the Lord, and the Aramean army is then struck with blindness, and Elisha using ruse de guerre also war stratagem, informs the king of Aram, well, actually, this isn't the road you're looking for. Well, this guy struck blind. No, come with me, I'll help you. And they can, you it's quite, do you sometimes read the Bible, and think this is brilliant. I mean, it's great. It's just great to read, isn't it? Yeah, oh, this isn't, these aren't the people you're going <laughs> It's brilliant. We'll it, go somewhere else. Sorry, you're blind. I know. Yeah, it's just like, I just think it's brilliant. I love, when you read the Bible, I love it. When you read it, it comes, and, um, this is the road you're looking for follow me and i'll lead you and he led them to samaria which is the capital of the king of israel okay so this is leading them into, like into london or whatever and uh, then they get inside and then elisha prays again now lord open the eyes and they must have gone oh no I <laughs> do a, why am I struck blind? B, this is nice guy, and he told me to go this way. And, oh, what am I doing? And all the people of King's of Israel are like, mm, I'm grab them all. and so the King of Israel goes up to Elisha. Notice he accepts his authority here. He says, "What should I do with them?" And he accepts his authority because he recognises this victory was brought about by God, not about by his army. Okay. And Elisha, you know, the King of Israel, says, is like, "I strike them all down because this is like really cool. We don't even have to fight. We can just like, you know." And, and Elisha says, No, don't do that. Just love them. You know, feed them. Put a feast before them. Put a feast before them and, uh, and then send them back to their master. And then what happens, verse 23 a whole time of peace happens. Instead of slaughtering the enemy, be merciful to the enemy. And I felt as a lastly, God would just say to you, It's all about mercy, truth, and love. That's all it is. The people out there are blind. The natural person can't see anything of goodness and grace of the gospel unless we tell them, unless we show them. They're blind. But they won't be blind forever because you're bringing the kingdom with you and you're on the victor's side. And I just just want to encourage you, really. just, Just be encouraged in that. Be encouraged in that. Live radically for Jesus. Be brave at telling people about the gospel. Well done, the lady at the charity shop. Keep doing it, okay? Keep going for it. Keep telling people about Jesus. Keep showing them uh, his love. Be radical in hospitality. Um, do people know uh, the, the mugs in your in your cupboard? There you go. Um, you know, if they don't, then you're not uh, being hospitable enough. So be more. Um, you know, are, are we, be holy? Be holy living. I think we are a generation that is going to be so distinct from the world that uh, it will show people the gospel because we're going to live a different way, in different values. Be intentional in befriending. Be strategic. In compassion, I know you're doing these things. Even this morning, hearing some of the stuff that you're involved in—that's happening already. But you know, if we do that, then people will come and they will be saved. I totally believe in the power of the gospel to save lives. Uh, I, I do also believe in—I uh, uh, don't stone me afterwards, Andrew. I believe in a theology of what I call the theology of geschmäkt, okay, which is the German word for to taste—and I do think that. I've become increasingly convinced that a church is not so much about the theology of the church. It's about how you do life together and mission together. It's more about what we do and how we are together and how we are full of faith, reaching out, praying for the sick, loving the lost, befriending people, inviting them along, making friends, but always with an eye to the gospel, how we love each other <coughs> That's how I think people will come in. This is how the world will know that you are our disciples, by putting on a really good service with funky music. No, by loving one another. So I just want to encourage you in that, really. It's, it's about how you love one another, how we, do, how we don't hold on to unforgiveness, how we're accepting of each other, how we accept the broken, how we uh, open our hearts and lives, how we don't compromise on truth, uh, but we still go for it. So, just last challenge really. How is your community life? How is that going? How does mercy triumph over judgment when people come in? Um, I'm going to finish with two stories, okay? Um, I've been at Sunbury 10 years. Um, pray for them. <laughs> I. I... <coughs> yeah. I'm Eeyore with a Tigger mask. So I don't think I've particularly done a brilliant job. No. We haven't grown particularly. And yeah, that hurts the pastor more than anyone else. But it's not all been bad. I'll tell you why. Next slide, please. The guy at the end of his life has been ruined by drugs and alcohol. I mean... Just desperately ruined. Most of it, 99% of it, his own fault. Intentionally using, destroyed his family, you know, prison, oh man, everything. And he got to about the age of 62 and he got down on his knees and he shouted out, drunk as a Lord, of course, Jesus, if you're even there, if you even care for someone, you and just like me. I thought all the things I've done Tomorrow, put someone across my path. Or that's it. Tomorrow night, that's it. You know, he's got it all sorted. He's going to take his life. He's going to kill himself. So he goes out in the morning, just about the time the church finishes. And our worship leader, Mike Sivier, just for Barbara, who knows who this guy is. And uh, he said, you play that guitar. Mike said, some people say I do. He said, would you play it in my house? Mike said, I would, but I only sing about Jesus. He said, all right then. <laughs> mike went in and he sung about jesus and mike's a lovely guy just started up a friendship with this bloke started on a journey this was a this was a test of grace for open door church okay it really was this guy comes to church with no shoes he hasn't washed for a long time okay uh he has no shoes he's bless him he he uh you know he's often drunk but he came and they loved him they were really good and they loved him and they loved him and um So, in time, he gets saved. He gets baptised in the Thames. Um, He has a nice... We have an agreement with him. If he's really, really drunk, he doesn't come. And sometimes he doesn't come because he's really, really drunk. He started doing a new trick on me where he eats three bulbs of garlic before he comes. He is drunk. It's just we can't smell it, you see. (laughs) No one goes there. You always know it is drunk because he's like dancing, and you always pray. It doesn't matter how many times we try to teach eldership in plurality. You always pray for the vicar, oh, not the vicar. Okay, we love him. We had another girl. This I've just finished with this. We had another girl last week. She had a drug and alcohol background again. She was a Christian, growing in God, lovely girl, in a relationship. That relationship didn't work out. Within. For six weeks, she's with another bloke, not a Christian. We all said, "Please don't give another Christian," and she's pregnant. Okay. Last Sunday, as often happens in our sort of churches, God just broke in. Really, her mum burst out crying, came to front, just said, "Please don't." We'd sent out, we'd informed the church what had happened. That you know she's he's not a Christian, but he's a good man. You know, he's standing with it. They want to get married. They want to do the right thing and build a family, so please, would you stand with her? She's she's repented, so you're not to judge because she's already been her her has been paid for on the cross, and she's come before the cross and asked her Lord to forgive her. So if I hear any judgement, you you'll gossip. You'll get it from me. <laughs> you know, come on, we forgive now. And uh, we communicated that. But the mumma comes to France. She was really crying and just saying, "Please forgive my daughter." You know what's this? And and we stopped. The meeting this <laughs> one Philippine with the ladies crowd. And all the ladies of the church, some of the younger ladies, younger ladies, some of them have single parent moms as well, praying for her, giving grace, forgiveness. Not compromising on truth. No, no, no. But recognising that grace is the ultimate truth. <laughs> Jesus is forgiven her. And I dunno I don't think sorry, I don't want to get upset. I never think I've done a very good job. But God has done a great job. And if broken people can come into the church and feel welcome, then we've got something right, at least. So I just want to encourage you, really, go for it. Because Jesus is so worth it. And there are so many people out there and you've got so much to give. I know some of you very, very well and you're good people. You've got so much love to give. So go and get them. Let's pray. Father God, you know... Uh, just my love for this church. Thank you, Lord, for friendships over decades, not just years. Lord, I pray that you will lift the eyes of this church, Lord, and slow down, look up, and then look out. And I pray that will be what happens. Father God, I pray for every single one that, Lord Jesus, you will be uh, just their all consuming passion, and that Jesus. There will be a multitude of people coming from a variety of backgrounds that know you and uh, come to know you because they have come in contact with people here, and I pray for these guys that they will go out and find them as well, Lord Jesus, build your church in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen, Amen. Amen. I what are you going to do? So I was going to get you all to pray with each other. Am I allowed to do that? Okay. So I just think we're really good. I don't know what spoke to you. Maybe something did. I hope something did. So don't be afraid. You're on the victor's side and to get out. And remember, different things might appeal to you all. So, yeah. Um, Guys with guys, girls with girls, pray, pray with a friend. If you're happy to do that. If you're not, then just run away now. (laughs) You can't sack me anymore. (laughs) It's okay. okay. So pray. Cool.